Welcome to the first episode of Kaylin It, where we talk about farmers markets and food justice. Today our conversation is with one of the vendors at the Mill City Farmers Market. The farmer's name is Moses and he's the farmer behind Dawn to Dust Farm. Let's get into the conversation. Yeah, uh, my name is Moses Momani. I am uh, a farmer in Cambridge, Minnesota. I have uh, 20 acres. I am certified organic and I use about three to five acres every year uh, to grow fresh vegetables for the farmer's market. Uh, I sell in Mill City, Fulton and uh, Kingfield Farmer's Market uh, currently. So I guess I was kind of curious, I was reading about you on like your website and other like mentions of your farm elsewhere and um, you're from Kenya. So how, how did you get into like farming either like while you're in Kenya or how did you end up getting into farming uh, once you were here? So I grew up in uh, uh, villages of, uh, you know, in Kenya, Um, grew up grazing cattle, doing mixed farming. So we grew all that we were eating. We rarely bought vegetables from a market. You know, I didn't, yeah, we did buy from, you know, neighbors and other others, but, you know. Um, so when I came here in 2004 on a green card, I, this was just different life uh, and, uh, I tried many other things. I worked day jobs. I did uh, drive truck for trucks for maybe a year, the same eyes. And then um, I just started, uh, while I was working here uh, in the cities, I saw community gardens and, uh, you know, seeing people of diverse groups one summer out there in the gardens, I decided, I just concluded that these are gardens that are rented out. So I got into them uh, later. Um, and then I, I really wanted to grow on a bigger size. So the 20 by 20 feet was, uh, I was like a patio. <laughs> Yeah. Thing if you have grown up, you know, f- uh, on big land in in Africa, so I started getting more like more plots. So I started with three, and then I got eleven, and then I got thirty-four plots. You can imagine. Um, so people just, you know, I just ran ran into problems with that neighbors there thinking that, you know, I was taking all the plots, leaving none for others or even taking other people's plots. And uh, they show up in July and they're like, yeah, you took my plot. I need my plot back. And it's like, it was a come fast, uh, served, you know, basis. And uh, they didn't tell me. So some, uh, that guy that I had, uh, you know, ran into said, you know what, you look, you, you are more of a farmer if you have all these plots. So that, that woke me up and I started driving around uh, the metro area, 
um, about an hour or less uh, from uh, Hopkins. Uh, and um, I was just showing up at people's, uh, you know, homes, trying to ask them if they can um, uh, rent land to me and echoes. So I didn't succeed uh, in getting anybody to rent me because I was just, you know, doing it randomly. Yeah. Um, but um, I ran into a, like a, a place where the uh, Minnesota Food Association had their farm in Chaska. So I just saw a sign and, you know, went online and that's how I ended up in Minnesota Food Association in Stillwater, which is now Big River Farms or Food Group. Um, Would you be able I started... to talk a little bit about the Minnesota Food Association? Because prior to like reading your biography, I hadn't actually heard of them and it seems like they're doing a lot of interesting work. Yeah, so when I got that online, uh, Google, uh, online I approached them, I said, hey, um, I see you are, you, are, you are kind of a farm school. I'd like to get a, an acre here so I can continue growing the crops I was growing. And I was not growing carrots and uh, cabbages. I was growing uh, spider plant and uh, cowpea and uh, beans. Those are like a staple, traditional staple for East Africans, uh, yeah. specifically my tribe. And... Uh, they came back in uh, Hopkins, they saw my plot and they said, yeah, you look like you are want to do some serious farming. So they signed me up the following year. So that was like the fourth year now. I got into Minnesota Food Association where they were training more immigrant farmers there from mostly Southeast Asia. Um, so they gave me an acre and I, the first year I grew the same things. And I was uh, still aiming to sell it to the immigrant community in the cities. But um, I switched soon after to growing for Minnesota Food Association because uh, they were doing CSA. So these other farmers were growing all these other crops and they were growing for Minnesota Food Association, who, which had a CSA. So I saw that one as a more viable farming option. Yeah. And then I switched the following year, so the second year, and then I did that for another two years. And then uh, I was ready to move on. So I had uh, switched completely. I had started selling at the mini markets here in the... Minneapolis, they taught me how, you know, like they introduced me to wholesale, CSA, farmer's market, because uh, these other farmers were doing all range of uh, outlets. So um, so I ended up um, in 2011, I moved out to Wisconsin and I started renting uh, farm uh, spaces from uh, other farmers. So there was kind of, you know, the connections I'd made for those three years. So I was able to move from one place to another. Uh, 
terms and conditions were, you know, not set. So you 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 get to some place. You during the growing season you find that the conditions or terms are changing, and then that makes you move. So I moved from Somerset to Emory to St. Croix. And then in 2014, I was ready to buy my own farm. So that was approximately after five years between the time I was in Minnesota Food Association and uh, when I bought the land, it was about five years here in Cambridge. So 2014, I moved here. And uh, by then I had um, gotten into Mill City, Fulton and Kingfield and uh, I didn't continue with the CSA that I had uh, got up to 50 people. So I, we stopped that. We thought farmer's market was just the best option for us. Yeah. That's really interesting to hear about. It's also like your process of like renting land and having land to farm and then being able to buy land. Because it's especially for like when I've like read about things or looking in research, like a, a really big barrier for like starting farmers is like acquiring land. So it's, it's interesting to hear like your process and that, and that you, you went through that, I guess, kind of smoothly, but obviously not probably without your struggles. Um, but I was, I was just kind of curious because you had mentioned that you were growing, I guess, more traditional crops, at least first. And so like, do you still get to grow any of those traditional crops or not so much anymore? Uh, not so much anymore. We grew just a little bit for us to eat. Um, there is uh, still a population in the city that will buy. Uh, so this year I started having farmer trainees because I have now from 2014 to this year, I have been doing that. And this year I decided to train farmers. So I am an incubator farm uh, from this year. And I intend to change that into completely incubator and then uh, be training farmers. So I have 10, 13 farmers on my farm having a quarter acre or more, uh, maybe a third at most. And um, they are growing the same things I was growing. And they are doing exactly the same thing I did uh, when I started. So my, like, one of my aim is to, like, show them about these other options because they, you know, as they do that. Yeah, that's really cool. And then also with like the traditional crops, like um, I kind of, well, at least maybe it's like a bit of a hopeful view, but I kind of see like the, or imagine the farmer's markets as like a really cool platform to be able to like ex explore and share with other people, like different, like traditional or like native crops. So do you have any like hopes that like, or like ideals or whatever that you kind of see of like being able to bring some of those traditional crops to the market to sell and like just share those foods with people that didn't see them before, or is that not necessarily like a financial option or something like that? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I would love to, you know, most of, uh, most of this, whatever I've been growing or how, where I grew up, those, vegetables have not been like they are they are prepared in the simplest way you know like just stir fry uh, they have not they are not like a cuisine type or high-end type product and some of them are bitter you know um, 
the foods we eat here are just sweet. If you if if you give somebody something that doesn't taste, they're like, what is this? This is like just a, something wild. Um, but um, they are very nutritious. Um, so amaranth here is a, a a weed. Probably nightshade is a weed. A spider plant will be bitter or weed. Uh, uh, but they are very nutritious, actually. Um, so one thing that I have seen is I know people who are doing like fermenting, like let's say kimchi and these other things. And I have always talked to them and say, hey, you know, I have been thinking of trying to ferment this uh, spider plant or this or this. But because we do farming, we do grow vegetables and we are just like at a stage where we still need to farm to make income and all that, we could not get into toying around with that, you know, like, yeah, that makes sense. you know, set, make, moving this to the next stage. Because I, I believe that at least you have to be at a certain uh, like economic status for you to take time to do this because at at the moment we just want to you know make an income yeah yeah and there is a in one of like the articles that I had mentioned your farm there was like a, a quote that you had said about like it's not all about the money it's about the lifestyle so I was wondering if you could talk about like any of like how you were able to get to the point of farming exclusively as like your main income and like what struggles there are with that or like why the lifestyle of farming is like kind of important to you. So like I started mentioning, I grew up on a farm at young age, you know, back in Africa, you'd, you are seven, you are eight and you'd be sent out to the, you know, to the common grazing um, places, which could be the woods or out far uh, with a herd of cattle, maybe 20, with sheep and goat, and you take care of them all day from eight, maybe until three before you come back. Um, I also was growing, um, as little as I was, I was growing um, my own maybe carrots, cabbages, you know, just a few, uh, playing around with them. But as I grew, I got into more and more far into farming, you know, and then I started, uh, you know, doing this and selling here and there. But that was my lifestyle. I like, I grew up on a farm, coming here, staying in an apartment. That was a different life that I, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't see managing. So when I started farming out uh, in uh, still water, that was exciting to me because I was excited to be out in the farm without shoes, walking. You know, I grew up and not wearing shoes uh, all the time, especially when you go out to the farm, you just, you know, pull up your pants and uh, walk bare feet and all that. So I'd love to see that, that my family has that connection to land. Uh, people here, immigrants from my region, when they have a little income, or a little saving and they want to invest, they want to invest in land or house. Yeah, they'll buy a house here, but that is not really what makes them feel like they have done something. 
some of them, most of them would go back to Africa and buy a piece of land there and build uh, because that's just a community thing. So I thought if I was able to do that here, that was also would be like um, part of what will be a stage in life. And the reason why I'm having farmers here, I'd like to see them also transition into that same thing. Instead of going back and buying property back at home, they could buy here out in the farms. Their kids would learn to grow these crops here. So it's, it was kind of that, um, that kind of lifestyle. And we, I'd like to come out here and shout without worrying that, you know, making noise to my, to my neighbor and all that. Because yeah. that's how I grew up. I never grew up in an apartment. And I wouldn't even know how to raise my kids. You know, if me alone, I, you know. So I don't know if I answered that question. <laughs> No, but that, that was good. That was really meaningful. So thank you. Yeah. Um, I guess talking more like you talked about you had CSA and you no longer do that or you have like wholesale. So it was like farmer's market, your like main way of like, um, I guess what you do with your yields or are there other means that you like sell your, your crops? No, for the last five years, we've just done farmer's market. Uh, uh, this year, because we have farmers and because they are, they, the markets have been um, kind of uh, different, uh, we've done, we, we are doing a little more, we, we have started doing wholesale again. But um, yeah, we just did farmer's market. We found that to be um, easier to do. Yeah. So you, you briefly mentioned how farmers markets have changed a little bit. I was, one of the questions I had, I was kind of curious how like the COVID-19 pandemic has affected your, your farm or your model at all, or if it hasn't. Well, it has. We tried, uh, we set up an online shop and uh, it went up a little bit and then it dropped uh, fast. And then we kind of just, um, stopped it it's still there but uh, you know you can't shop it because we found that it's too hard to we just feel like it's too much you know you we spend a lot of time weeding harvesting washing packing and then we we have to go back and uh, do this uh packaging also um and then um even managing the online um, the online administration where you just have to print out, you have to track which one will go to Fulton, which one will go to this place. Um, we just felt it's easier to, if, 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 if we can take all the produce we grow and sell, we had reached a point where we know how much we can we can be taking every week during the season. So we feel we felt like that is easier for us. No stress, no, you know, like we don't when we come back from the market, we are done. We are not thinking again about tracking things. 
But once we started doing this uh, online uh, shopping where people pick at the market, then people are like, some people are like, I, will, I won't come. I, will, uh, I want you to take it to next week. And then we find that we started having things crossing each other. And then uh, me and my partner, it's my partner who is doing more of uh, the vegetables. And I am trying to set up uh, these, uh, I'm spending more time now with the farmers. If it was last year, we were doing both together. But because we have decided to train farmers, we agreed that you hold on to growing vegetables while I set up this uh, farmer training uh, portion. And then we can transition eventually and uh, do farmer training, both of us, you know, once everything has been designed. So it was kind of, we didn't want, we didn't want to do online and because it's almost like CSA. Yeah. And it's the same thing we didn't, we we are we stopped doing because we felt like we 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 are not we don't want to be growing at the same time educating consumers on the work a lot of work that we do here all week uh what is this you know and then we start explaining this is scale how do we eat it and all that that's what we didn't like in the CSA it's like it's too much. I mean, uh, for what for what you get out of it, a farmer is not really paid to even tell you how to eat kelp. You know, yet you, he's selling the same kelp to you at a very, you know, cheap price. So he will be. It's like too much work for the farmer that is not going to help the farmer, um, you know, make enough income with that time. So. So we, we thought it's better just to sell at the market and uh, come home less. Um, so I was also curious. So you've talked a lot about like your, for the farmers like training program. Like, so how, how could people in the community or like the market goers like support farmers like you like, or the farmers that you're training, like what would be a good way to, to support that? Or is there a way to do that? So one, one, um, I am still trying to find this one way I know was to have a website and have a donation tab there and then uh, do enough outreach of the work we're doing. Uh, but I'm also trying to find organizations to mentor me into forming uh, this organization, like a 501c3. Um, so I'm still at the early stages of looking at what is the best way to do this because um, there's also work that goes into it. Um, so for now, the most important thing is to know that uh, there are farmers out there. I wanted to have five farmers that I could handle. Now I have 13 and I still have more that I say, hey, don't come because it's just me. It's not, this is not an organization yet. I would love to have a director, a farm manager, and uh, these other people, at least three people for to manage 10 farmers. 
Um, also, these farmers, they feel comfortable associating with the, somebody they can relate comfortably. So I feel like they could relate with me comfortably because we could talk our own languages and do our own things and all that. Um, so one, one other thing that I'm doing with them is trying to have them form co-ops. Uh, well, they are 13, but all of them are not like, they cannot all of them like have the same smaller groups. So they, in them, they will also be subsets. And if they form those subsets, they can form marketing corp and land corps. So marketing corps is where they would all be, you know, selling as one. So if they go to school, like Minneapolis school district and they get a contract for selling, let's say carrots, then they will divide among us themselves and they will grow and then they will deliver us one. But as a land co-op, they would find land. If there are five people, they can find 20 acres and they can divide that into four acres each and they can pull resources together. So they will be doing those. But I'm seeing me uh, with the help of other organizations, even the uh, food group, even the renewing the countryside, there are other groups that I'm talking to so that they can help me set up this and then we can help organize these small co-ops, help find land for them. If they live here in, let's say, around uh, Anoka, then we can find land that is closer to Anoka um, that they can easily access and grow from their homes, which are around their Anoka. So they don't travel too far. Um, so that that is kind of where I'm look. I'm going to, but um, I. The best way is whatever you're doing. You know, if you have a podcast and um, you know, we do a series because this first one is just the you know like, I'm still setting this up. Maybe six months later, we can check in and see how far have you gone. Yeah, you know. And, um, you know, and then as we go on and on, you know, a farmer can come in and say, so far, how has you, how, how, how has it gone? You know, that's what I think. No, you should definitely do that check. And I uh, like everything you're saying. So there's so much more happening that I didn't, didn't realize. And it's really cool to know that there's that many people that are like, that are interested in farming and really getting going with that. So that, that's really, really cool to know. Could you r remind for whoever's listening like, what markets you guys are at and that they can find you? We are in uh, Mill City, Fulton. Uh, Mill City Farmers Market is in uh, downtown Minneapolis. And then uh, Kingfield Farmers Market is in uh, 43rd and uh, Nicolette. And um, um, Fulton Farmers Market is close to Zaxxas and 50th Avenue. So this mill city is, of course, Chicago and uh, somewhere at Third Street. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, being, being willing to be interviewed. Um, is there anything else you're curious or would want to mention to people? No. Um, the best people can do is uh, eat healthy, stay healthy, and, um, you know, know your farmer, visit a farm, that's all. I mean, um, 
that will because um, we are all all of us as human beings we are connected to land so i i believe everybody is you know has a right to some form of land connection so even if you cannot farm you can visit a farm you can buy from a farm you can support a farm and that will still be the same connection you can take your kids to the farm all those things um because the farms as they should be is family farms small farms not um you know industry uh, industrial farms so thank you If you're curious to learn more or want to support Moses and the efforts of Dusted on Farms, I'll leave links below in the description for you to visit. Thanks for listening.